0: Indeed, please friends, remain standing and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll be looking at the first 10 verses today. I'm starting just a very short mini-series, actually three sermons, today being the first. My last three sermons as your pastor here at Redeemer, I wanted to look at passages that are either meaningful to me, my life verse is the one that's before us today, Or just to allow us an opportunity to reflect back, boast in what the Lord has done and is doing and promises to do. After 16 and a half years, everything in me would love to just stand up here and boast about the wonderful job that I have accomplished. Since I have been your pastor, that's just how sinful I really am. Um, But yet this passage clearly tells us that's the very opposite of what it is that I am supposed to do. The opposite of what the church is supposed to do. We're to boast, but we're not to boast in our own accomplishments. We are to boast in the power of the cross, the power of the Savior who lives and dwells within us. Let's give our attention then to this text. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Here now the very word of God. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord... I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. But I know this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. But God knows. This man was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that. But I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses." Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace Is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. What do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Our Father, you speak to us again. By your word and the power of your Holy Spirit, you allow us to glimpse yet again this beautiful gospel of grace. Open our eyes then to let us see it. Open our hearts to receive it and change us by this powerful gospel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. Well, two Sundays ago, I ended my, Easter, ended my Easter sermon with an illustration about the sale of my house. And I know that you all have been wondering these last two weeks, what have I accomplished by my wonderful abilities and powers to do with this house? And I have a story to tell to you. I left you two weeks ago with this contract that I had. more than the asking price, cash offer. And I told my wife, see, I told you so. I know what I'm doing and it's going to be wonderful. And then that realtor lady pulled it right out from under our legs and we lost the contract and we were back on the market again. And how I was filled with doubts, just like those individuals that Easter Sunday morning looking into the empty tomb and were filled with doubt. But today... See, then after that day, I was in town all that week and I got on Zillow. Actually, Jennifer got on Zillow. I'll give her the credit because she's here to confirm. So she got on Zillow and she put in all the pictures and all of this wonderful things. And then we did all we got these beautiful little flyers printed up and we put them back in the little box outside in the sign and so forth. And I was moving and I was shaking and I was getting it all done. Realtors started calling one after the other. Nope, not going to use a realtor. I'm doing this by honor. Leave me alone. And it was just one after the next after the next. And then I had to leave to go to Padre again. And I thought, who's going who's to sell this house? I can't sell it from 600 miles away. I went all week doing all of these things. And then I got down there and I couldn't do a single thing. And then I got a call. I got a call. And then I got an offer. I got back into town after having done nothing for a week. Got back into town. This woman comes, our daughter comes over. She's in California. And I'm thinking, score. She's in California selling two pieces of property in California. You know what that means, right? She's going to give me a cash offer for $6,500 more than my asking price. And she's going to let me close and then live in the house until my last Sunday. And then I don't have to pay her any rent at all. And I thought, Lord, you, you've taught me the lesson. You've taught me this wonderful lesson that I can't boast in anything that I have done to accomplish anything, but everything is by your divine power and your mercy. Now, I'm not saying, listen, friends, I'm not saying just let go and let God. That is terrible theology, <laughs> terrible theology, because God never says in his word, just do nothing, but he tells us, read my word and then obey my word. Hear my word and obey it. So, we're not called just to sit down and do absolutely nothing. We are called to be changed by this powerful gospel. And it's not a God thing. that's terrible theology. Everything is a God thing because God is sovereign over all. What the Lord did for me last week was he said, Brian, I'm going to send you 600 miles away so you can do absolutely nothing and then you can watch me do what I promised I'm going to do for you. And he did. And it was even greater than the other one that I thought was so good that I lost. And now it's even better than that. And so why should I go on boasting about anything that I have done When what we're commanded to do is to boast about what the Lord has done for us. It's so easy, and yet I make rocket science out of it, and I know you probably do as well. I have five books in my library that are in this set by F.W. Borum. He was an Australian pastor from the late 1860s. And what he did is he would take an individual in redemptive history and he would write a chapter about their life verse and why that verse they said was their life verse. It's a wonderful collection, a bunch of everlastings and stuff like that. That's what some of the books are called. This is my life verse, friends. This is my, I have in my margin, verse 9 equals my text. And that is this, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what the Savior says. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is sufficient for you. In your weakness, I am strong. I have actually written the liturgy for my funeral. I already have it done. And actually, my last Sunday, uh, Sunday the 28th, we're going to sing four hymns that I'm going to have sung in my funeral as well. And you can bet, and can it be, is going to be one of those. Victory in Jesus. It is well with my soul. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> Not for my funeral. I mean for the... <laughs> Although, I mean, that's, <laughs> hey, that's good too. Because then I wake up in the presence of Jesus forever and ever. Uh, but this is my verse. I've selected this verse in my liturgy. Whoever is going to preach my sermon, I don't know how long it's going to be. This is the text that they're going to use. And I hope what they say is, this man was a man of grace. He was a weak, weak individual and did nothing on his own power. But he rested in the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that filled him. Friends, that's what I want you to experience today. See, many times we look at our own life and we think, well, I'm better. I'm the guy to fix this. I'm the gal to fix this. We think more highly of ourselves than we ought. And when we're not doing that, then we think, well, we've got it worse than everybody else. Nobody's got it as bad as I do. We either think more highly of ourselves than we ought, or we think more highly of ourselves than we ought by thinking that we're lower than anybody else. And we boast in ourselves. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul He's talking about here in chapter 12 what he was confronted with in the church of Corinth. He said, I want you guys to take a look at your spiritual pride and see just how ugly it is so that then you can see this gospel of grace and see how wonderful it is. Sixteen and a half years. Sixteen. I have story after story after story. And oh, how I would love to stand up here. I'm the guy that got you out of the Holiday Inn. (laughs) I would love to boast in that, but I am not going to boast in myself. There is nothing to be gained. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness so that Christ's power may show itself to be what it really, really is. He is sufficient, friends. Look how Paul begins. I must go on boasting, he says. Although it's not going to do anybody any good, I must go on boasting. And actually then, chapter 12 opens by connecting us back to chapters 10 and 11. That's what he's saying here. Because of what we read in chapter 10 and chapter 11, now Paul says... Although, I, I, must go on, I must go on boasting. Back in chapter 10, Paul was defending his ministry to those that he called the super apostles, those that thought more highly of themselves than they ought. In chapter 12, then, he takes on those super apostles as he reveals to them that they are false apostles, not super apostles at all. At the end of chapter 10, he says, "...let him who boasts, boasts only in the Lord." And then he goes on to take them on in chapter 11, all the way through chapter 11 into the verses like 22 and 23. Uh, 23. They're boasting in their Hebrewness, their Israel ness. And he says, then in chapter 12, as he opens, now I'm going to go on boasting. You think you got something to boast about? You think you can boast because you're a Hebrew, you're an Israelite? I'm even a greater Hebrew, I'm even a greater Israelite. I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. In addition to the fact that they were boasting about their their heritage, their pedigree, they must have been boasting about their revelations that they saw, the prophecies that they saw. And so Paul goes on to talk about this revelation. I know a man, he says... I know a man who was caught up to the third heaven. Now, whether he was in the spirit or in the body, I don't know, but God knows. But I know a man who did that, and I'm not going to talk about myself. I'm going to talk about this man. Well, the ironic thing is, he's the, he's the man. But that's the very point that Paul is making. I am the guy who has done even greater things than you. You think you have these little revelations that are super apostle revelations. They're false apostle revelations. They're nothing at all. But I actually am speaking the truth. Paul could so throw down the trump card, could he not? I've been to the heavens. I've been to the third heavens. Have you? Let me tell you about my experience. And then let you tell me about yours, but you don't have one. So here's what the Apostle Paul is doing. I I know a man. I'm not going to boast in myself. Even though I have a greater story than you, I am not going to boast in myself. Now, This is the only place in Scripture, friends, the only place in Scripture where we read about this third heaven. So let's not write too much into it. A lot of ink has been spilled on what Paul experienced, where he went, and all of that. We do not know. John the Apostle got a revelation and he was told write this down because I want this revelation to be shared with the church and that revelation is known to us as the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. But Paul was not told to write this down and it happened. it's mentioned nowhere else in all of Scripture. So Paul's point is not the revelation or the experience in being in the third heaven. His point is this, I am not going to boast in myself. But I'm going to boast in the power of the one who reigns and dwells within me. He's trying to convince these super apostles that they are filled with pride and show them just how ugly it is. So he goes on to say, I'm going to refrain from doing that. Verse 6, Even if I should choose to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I would actually be speaking the truth. But I'm not going to do that. I am going to refrain. Why? Why? Because Paul knows, beloved, Paul knows if he is elevating himself, he is eliminating Christ. If he is boasting in himself, he is not boasting in the work and the of grace by the power of Christ himself. To elevate self is to eliminate Christ. And he said, I will not have any part of that at all. Now make no mistake, do not hear me say to you, because I'm not saying it, just go out there and be like Paul. You already are like Paul, corrupt in every part of your being. I'm not saying go out there and just be like Paul because he was super. Look at what Paul is doing. He is saying the only thing great in my life, the only thing good in my life, is the power of the gospel at work in me. That's what I'm telling you. We can be changed, transformed completely by the work of the gospel that's in our life. We are not called to be filled with our own pride not called to boast in ourselves, but to boast in the one who dwells within us. I've told you this story before. It's a lovely illustration about Charles Spurgeon, who was standing at the church door, shaking the hands of those individuals that left one Lord's Day. And one of the women in his congregation said, "Oh, Mr. Spurgeon, that was the most phenomenal sermon I think I've ever heard in my life." And he said, "I know." The devil whispered it to me in my ears as I was stepping down the steps out of the pulpit. We are so filled with pride, friends. We are so filled with. Elevating ourselves and eliminating Christ. And that's exactly what this text tells us not to do. I would love to stand up here and say, let's talk about the days of Holiday Inn and how we moved from Holiday Inn to 7820 Silverado Trail and how we went from one smaller building to a larger building and then planning another building someday in the future of the church. How easy that would be. How fun that would be. But that's not what we're called to say or do. Oh, we have the best worship. All these other churches that are going to all of this contemporary, we are traditional, we're reformed, we're historical. We have this grasp of an ancient faith for modern people. Oh, how we could boast in that. But we shall not. We must not. Let us boast in the power that is ours because of the work of 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 Christ in us. Let us, let us rest in that strength. My grace is sufficient for you, he said. My power is made perfect. When you are weak, then you're going to be strong. When we think we are better than anyone else, everyone else, let's run right back to this passage and be reminded. We cannot, must not boast in ourselves. I will not boast in myself or, my, or what I've done, but only in my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Now, what we're most often tempted to do is, if we're not boasting about how wonderful we are, then we're boasting about how terribly we have it. You ever known someone like that? Perhaps have you ever been someone like that? Oh, I have got it so bad! I've got it much worse than anybody else ever had it. And look at that! Isn't that where kind of Paul takes us in verse seven? Look what he says. Now, to keep me from becoming conceited, there was given to me. Because of these revelations, because of, this is true, I've had. I went to the third heaven, but I'm not going to talk about that. I, I, I want to talk only about Christ. But there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. I have. Couldn't Paul say? Couldn't he say, "Look, you talk about suffering. You want to know suffering? I'll tell you about suffering." This is the only place in Scripture, have you heard that before? The only place in Scripture where Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh. And yet, how much ink has been spilt over this? Oh, it was his eyesight. Look what big letters I am using. He couldn't see the page. Or look what letters I have with my own hand. Oh, he had arthritis so bad he couldn't even write... We don't know, friends. We simply don't know what the thorn was. But that is the point. Paul doesn't want us to know what the thorn is because he's driving us back to Christ. He's not driving us to himself. But look at what Paul says. Look at what he says in verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited, the surpassing revelations, there was given me, The the Greek word there is one that's always used in the context throughout the New Testament of that, that which we receive as a blessing from God. Something that God gives to his children. It was given to me, but it is that very thing that was given to him that Satan uses against him to torment him. Dr. Sinclair Sinclair Ferguson in his commentary about this passage says, this is like a set of twins, you know, when when you first see them and you can't tell the difference between the two. They they look so much alike, they're identical, they look exactly alike and you don't know if you're talking to one wheeler boy or the other wheeler boy. (laughs) It happened to me often. And yet over time then you start to see that one has a characteristic that the other doesn't and then you can choose the two. And Sinclair Ferguson says, that's what we have here. This was given to me and 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 Satan used it against me. Here's the first twin. That the Lord has given us this hardship, this persecution, this insult, whatever it is that he talks about there at the very end in verse 10. That was given to Paul by God himself. But it was the very thing used by the evil one, the other twin, to bring about his demise, but it didn't happen. It didn't work. He was saying, it's not about the thorn in my flesh. I pleaded with him to take it away, but he chose not to take it away, and I will rest in the glory of that because I am made stronger in this suffering. There is no greater picture, friends, ...of sovereignty and suffering... ...than that right there... ...the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. This, the power of the cross... ...Christ became sin for us. That's what we just sang. And the very power that is ours... ...is the work, the finished work of Christ... ...on that cross... ...who experienced suffering and pain... ...beyond our imagination, our understanding. Why would we think that we've cut it worse... ...than anybody else... When we had one who suffered this way for us. Your difficulty is a difficulty. Certainly my difficulty in suffering is a difficulty. But it is nothing compared to the work that Christ did for us. My grace is sufficient for you, he he says. So look what the Apostle Paul goes on to say, verse 10. That's why for Christ's sake now, I delight I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Now he's not saying, whoop, whoop, bring them on. I can't wait for a little more hardship, a little more suffering, a little, I love to suffer. That's not what he's saying. The word delight, the Greek word there means to be pleased with or content with. Can you rest in contentment that the difficulty, the suffering, the pain that you're experiencing right now is the gift that God has given to you for his own glory. Can you say the very limitations that God has placed on you will be for his sovereign power and uh, the growth of the kingdom? That, That my limitations is something that he would actually use to advance the kingdom of God. We're so prone to say, like Moses, oh, I... I, just, I wish I was more outward. I wish I was more vocal. I wish I could talk to people so I could share the gospel with them. Someday, I'll, no. Could you? Can you imagine that even in your limitation, the Lord could and would use you for the advancement of his kingdom? We can't rest in these things that we think are bad. Someday, someday, if, if only I weren't that or if only I weren't like this, We can't rest in our limitations and stop there. But the limitations are the very thing given to us by God himself for the advancement of his kingdom, for the advancement of his gospel whereby he reminds us over and over, my grace is sufficient for you. It's not about you. It's about me. That's what Jesus is saying. It's all about what I have done for you. Have we suffered as a body? Oh, you better believe we've suffered as a body. Sixteen and a half years, we suffered. Holiday Inn, oh, doctor, was that not the, that was the stinkiest, nastiest place. We suffered. And then we moved to Reuben Johnson Elementary. Oh, we suffered, didn't we? Setting up. Tearing down. Those chairs, remember those little bitty plastic chairs where Mark uh, Dixon had to sit down like this? Had to Ever so gently because the frame on them was about this big. We suffered. Those were the most uncomfortable chairs. Oh, how we could point to our suffering. We lost members along the way. We had a terrible 2012 and 13, didn't we? We lost members. We lost officers that left the church that are still in McKinney. We've disciplined some individuals. We've suffered. We lost two associate pastors. One beloved after ten and a half years and one after a medical uh, situation. And now your senior pastor is leaving. You're not suffering. You're not suffering outside of the divine sovereign will of your loving Gracious Savior, we are right where the Lord has ordained, and even in our limitation, there will be an advancement of His kingdom for His own glory. You're looking for the guy, friends, you're looking for the guy in verse 10 who would say to your search team, Tell us about your ministry. Oh, my ministry. It's filled with insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Because that's true. They're going to say, oh, oh, my ministry's wonderful. How wonderful. That's, we don't need any of that. We have all experienced hardships and pains and struggles. But it's the very thing that the Savior promises to do. There's no fine print in the contract of the gospel of grace, is there? Jesus didn't say, ah, oh, you should have read the fine print. Uh, no, what did he say? We just read that. We just read that in our in our gospel account. This is what he said. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. And whoever wants to lose his life is going to find it. There's no fine print there. There's no fine print at all. We are right where the Lord has Has commanded us to be. The the church, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, is right where she is supposed to be. And what is our response to be? To boast. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient, and the power that He promises us will be made perfect in Christ alone. What a gospel. Gosh, what a gospel. A mom was making some pancakes one particular morning while her two sons, brothers, Ryan, age five, or Kevin, age five, Ryan, age three. And as mom was making the pancakes, she heard the two boys begin to get into an argument about who was going to get the first pancake. Kevin, the oldest, saying, no, I'm getting it. I'm older. Ryan, the youngest, but I'm, I, I need it more than you do. I'm hungrier than you are. And so back and forth between Kevin and Ryan, this argument. So the mom thought, here is, here is an opportunity to make moral application. So she turned around and said, boys, if Jesus were sitting at this table with you, he would say, I'm going to let my brother have the first pancake.'" Silence for a while, and then mom turned back around and heard Kevin say to his brother, Hey Ryan, you be Jesus. (laughs) You're Kevin. I'm Kevin. We're filled with pride. We love to boast in ourselves, we love to get what we want when we want it, and how we want it. But here, my friends, is the gospel of the Lord Jesus. He stands before you and says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power will be, is made perfect in your weakness. Now get out there and be weak, and let him be strong. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, what a glorious gospel of grace. It's all about what Christ has done for us, is doing for us, and promises to do for us. We delight in this beautiful gospel, and it is in this gospel who is wrapped up in this individual that we will boast. We will boast in Christ and in Christ alone. Pour out your power on this body, Lord, please. Make this time of a of a setback, this time of what we might even consider a suffering or a limitation, make this time to be a beautiful picture of your divine majesty and glory and your power for your people as you have promised. Do it, please, we pray, in us and for us, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.